and welcome to Mentality. My name is Zach. I'm Camera, and we're here with the amazing Seth Yund. Oh my word. So you are an environmental specialist of sorts. Explain yes. your title to um, us. So uh, through uh, several twists and turns as far as the career is concerned, I ended up being an air pollution specialist at the Air Resources Board. Very cool. Fantastic. How long have you been doing that? A whole month and a half. Wow. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. You got the month We're, and a half Yeah, on. so I can, I've got everything down. I can explain all of it. But okay. no, yeah. um, I'm still, still very much learning. Um, how, how to be one of those. If I remember right, though, you said you were interning and such before that, though. So right? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this later. Yeah. But just to, <laughs> so yeah, just to kind of do the, explain the twists and turns. I started out as a graduate from Chapman, studied biology, decided I would like to learn how people use biology in pol- a policy arena. I got into what's called the Capital Fellows Program, um, where I was placed at a different state agency, Ended up liking what I was doing, so I stayed. Desperately hoped for somebody to hire me in that <laughs> arena, and fortunately somebody did, mm-hmm. and I'm continuing to do similar things, although I'm not going to get super wonky on everyone because nobody wants that. All right. Well, congrats on that, and I'm sure we'll dive deeper into that soon. So if you're wondering why our voices sound different, uh, we bought new mics, so that's fun. Yay! Um, so Hopefully that's a work. fun fact. Also, <laughs> this is our first remote, was that the word that I'm looking for? I, we uh, are, we are we, traveling our road trip podcast we are now we are in sacramento we are literally in the we are in the capital city of california to discuss mental health reform and mental health in the workplace yeah seth was in active minds with me in my time in chapman so we both are very big advocates for mental health and even within the work he does now i think it's he's still a very big advocate and an educator of sorts so before we get too much further, I want to make sure that we discuss the tea that we are having yeah, today. So this is tea. one that we've had before, but I know this is one of me and Cameron's favorites. So this is Daydreamer. This is with passion fruit and lavender, rose, and bergamot. It is a black tea. This one smells delicious. I don't think oh, none of us have taken sips of it yet. So <laughs> I know that uh, me and Cameron have had this one before. Wow, this is really hot. Yes, okay. it is. It is. It is hot, hot, hot. So should we take sips of it? I mean, you absolutely can. I can hardly hold my cup. I tried. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I'm just holding the outer rim just as much as I can. Absolutely. Well, I guess we'll get your your taste preferences on that in a little bit if you if you haven't Digest, burned your tongue. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can still taste and I have opinions. <laughs> so. what, are the, what are those opinions? It's good. It's good. Yeah. I I'm not quite sure. My I don't have a refined palate by any means, but. Uh, well, that's what we're here for. I yeah, thought that was what we're Yeah, please. No, enlighten, is what we wanted. enlighten me. Why are we here then? <laughs> <laughs> we came all the way to Sacramento. Just, yeah. just to teach me how to taste tea. This yes. is yes. great. Yeah, just actually, nothing tea. about mental health. What do you think about the tea? <laughs> the tea, it's good for a variety of reasons that I can't describe. Uh, <laughs> it just, it's, a, it's a little, I think, flowery is appropriate. To, yeah, it is say. flowery. It, there's literally a description on the bag that says petals. So, okay. yes. Got that. And then, yeah, it's, it's actually some, it doesn't. <laughs> Y'all did a really good job of mixing it because it de- it's definitely not it's, watery at all. Oh, well, that's definitely not us. Not this us. That's T Spectral. Yeah, shout Use out to T Spectral. Use our offer code MENTAL at checkout on their website. It's great. Woo, and you get 10%, 10% off. off. 
There we go. Wow. In uh, in sync right there. There we go. Uh, We're getting this. Anyway, so getting into the discussions, <laughs> we've had we've had a long day. We just got off the flight and everything. We also went to the state capitol. Fun. Yeah, that Thank was you, fun. Yeah. Why don't we start there? You showed us around the state capitol. Mm-hmm. This is kind of your your stomping grounds. I could totally sense just the utter passion of you exploring. Yeah. You know, and just being like, "There's that, and there's that. That's so cool." So, what got you involved in? In this, what made you want to make that switch? Yeah. yeah. You were a science major before. I was a science major That's before. quite a bit I like to still think I am in some ways. Yeah, so uh, to, to tie into the career thread again, I, I could only, I found that I could only really work at places where I was passionate. And I was passionate, I've always been passionate about things like mental health, which kind of led to the advocacy that happened in, in my college years. But I really wanted to figure out how systems work and how service delivery systems mm-hmm. work from the state level. And I just wasn't getting that in a laboratory. And so when I came up to Sacramento, I was tempted, actually, mental health is really important to me. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's eventually where I want to end up. At this point, I don't know. I don't really know what trajectory I really want to go with but it's still something that I think about constantly so I came up here trying to figure out what kind of you know I'm a total nerd what kind of data is used in in the state that drives decision making around mental health and I got all two of those three things I got the data that drives decision making but it ended up being in the natural resources so I, I'm interested in a it's nice to be in a place where I can see how science is benefiting policy and people and to go back I'm not going to talk too much about my work right now because (laughs) I I can't I it's a state agency and I don't want to misrepresent them and there's no PR person in the room so I'm not oh you don't see Jimmy right there oh yeah yeah. (laughs) well Jimmy's frowning and I really (laughs) we're not not here to talk about your exact position and what you do in your work we're we want to kind of talk a little bit more about where you're so passionate about like you got me interested in active minds and honestly opened my eyes to wanting to do more mental health work even through wow. film so i have that to thank you for Absolutely. a lot I, i'm ha- i'm happy that i could do that that's pretty cool yeah uh, and you have have you gone through you said depression right yeah so in terms of my personal story i've always had i, I kind of have a bit of a triple threat all relatively small amounts that in that weave into an interesting cocktail at least from somebody who's living it depression anxiety and then sensory integration issues the sensory integration issues is probably least familiar to people. Essentially, when I was growing up, I was really sensitive to different things like textures or sounds or even really tactile environmental things. Oh, and wow. so I hate popsicle sticks. I can't, I to this day don't eat popsicles. I don't know if that's a thing, but like I can't stand the feel what a, of the popsicle stick okay, on my Okay, okay. So then, yeah. It, yeah, actually that's... It hurt, like physically and emotionally hurts me to like touch a popsicle stick oh my with God. my tongue. Yes. <laughs> I don't like the texture of nuts and candies and cakes and cookies. Yeah. That okay, that's like totally... Actually, that's a pretty good comparison. And what I've learned through talking about it, talking to this... Uh, talking about this with other people is that everybody's got their own like little tactile quirk mm-hmm. for so the, the difference is a measure of the volume of the effect yeah. for me i would literally just kind of shrivel up and want to go into a corner sometimes mm. and and because my sensory calibration was generally off it literally had to go through like occupational therapy sometimes physical therapy um just to kind of get and and is variety of different others like vision therapy and actually just just a a conglomerate of things to recalibrate myself um so that i could you know run without a gate or um basically be able to look up from a a chalkboard and then look down at my paper and then basically retain that information at, at normal processing speeds this giant conglomerate effect that's 
between those, the anxiety and the depression, um, all of which have impacted my life throughout. It's difficult to describe. Yeah. I still am figuring it out. But it's gotten me really interested in kind of the experiences of others and the perspectives of others because we all have different brains and we're all seeing arguably the same things, but we come away with different interpretations of what those things are. And that's always been something that's fascinated me. And when people come away with interpretations that are harmful to themselves, then I get, I get activated. I kind of get passionate about trying to figure out how they're interpreting things the way they are and if they could, like, I'm not saying reinterpret for them, that's not what I mean at all, but really help them find an interpretation that works for them. Yeah. That's that's what drove me into the mental health community is kind of understanding the neurobiolo- neurobiology that leads to the perception that leads to the person. Yeah. Hoping to figure out how to do that in my life now, but <laughs> no, it's awesome. that... right now I'm just living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. 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 But with uh, mental health in the workplace, kind of how does, how do you feel going into that? Like with with where you're working now or with where maybe one of your sure. first jobs of how you kind of changed it up. Well, with where I'm working now, I, I'm, it's going to, I'm going to say it's definitely great. Uh, no, just wherever you're working, um, misrepresentation, especially here is, is something that's, uh, you have to be cautious about it, which is another, where I ended up is really, really a sensitive area, which is fantastic for mental health mm-hmm. in terms of discussion. And I don't mean to like say, I'm not going to talk about things, but just being sensitive with how you represent things of your current employer is always a good idea, which adds to the intricacy of this this conversation. I guess a place to start for me is being able to talk about mental health in the workplace genuinely and talking with mental health with people outside your workplace when you have a representation issue such as this. Externally, you there's a challenge to be able to represent who you are employed by. You maybe really value the work that they're doing. And I, okay, just full disclaimer, I love what I'm doing. My job is fantastic. (laughs) So I'm not implying that at all. I couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've been in jobs where I maybe value the work. I see the the societal value of the work, but the work itself is tedious, monotonous. It doesn't grip me passionately. Um, And that's an experience that I feel is, is relatively relatively common especially for people who um i would still consider myself a relatively recent grad for yes (laughs) i need to be one too (laughs) yeah all several stages of of not only recent grads but also people who are mid-level career and things like that understanding the external and internal dynamics where internally there are risks to you saying i am depressed and need to take a day off depending on how your employer interprets that which is really hard to tell and externally, there's a risk of mischaracterizing the place where you work to the people that may be working with you or maybe just kind of thinking you don't like where you are for the wrong reasons. So in like in other words, saying like I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling a panic attack is coming on, giving the impression that like this environment makes you anxious or something like that. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. And expressing that n- narrow the focus a little bit, expressing that to uh, coworkers mm-hmm. and bosses, whether or not that's seen as a valid excuse doesn't necessarily, to my knowledge, or at least has been expressed to me, isn't always a legally justifiable reason to take a break or yeah. go take a health day. That's probably how I got into the habit of going into bathrooms when I uh, when I <laughs> am having a panic attack or something is because I worked in the restaurant industry for like six years and there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Like there's no, like we didn't, at least in the restaurants I had, there was no break rooms or anything like that. So if I was ever feeling anxious or if I ever felt like I needed to do something, I'd just be like, like no one's going to tell you you can't go to the bathroom. You know, so right. I'm just, you know, so I just just went into the bathroom and like hung out there and stared in the mirror for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, take a couple of deep breaths. 
It's the mind know. body divide coming yeah. back again. Yeah, you know, and then I, then I walk out and. Uh, no one, no one knew the wiser. <laughs> you come I in think that's probably where I got into a different that kind habit. of release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow, Zach, you go to the ba- bathroom a lot. Yeah, because you stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> but what, when do you think it's okay? Like, it, at least maybe now, or with jobs you've had in the past, I feel like we've kind of talked about this prior a little bit. When is it okay to? tell an employer that you either have depression or you need to take a sick day because of a mental health affliction or take a break because of that when is that appropriate or when at what point do you say that yeah that's that's so tough i it's it's starting off it always depends on who your employer is and it's sometimes that's really hard to tell depending on kind of the hierarchy of an organization i've found that at least in my experience Generally, employers are okay with that being a reason. However, what I've been told when I've... So I've done a a series of exit interviews with previous employers, and every time I have, I've I've asked the question, hey, so remember that time where I said I was sick for X? Yeah, I was having a mental health day. How does that make you feel now that, you know, and would that have been okay or a justifiable reason? And kind of what I walked away with, I don't really have too many... Like, as somebody who who values number of observations, I, yeah. I, I think I've got, like, three. Um, so that's not, that's not many. But, but still. It's better than zero. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is greater than one. Yeah. <laughs> it's also greater than two. Yeah. Uh, three, is, three is the charm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, now that we have a representative sample. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to make you feel better about having three. <laughs> no, I'll run with confidence on this now. Um, generally, what I've walked away with is, you know, it would be best if you just said you were sick. And you just, you didn't say why. Because mm-hmm. an employer can't ask questions when you take time off, which yeah. is is actually in some ways is, is frustrating, but it's also an empowering fact because mm-hmm. then you can just say, hey, I'm not feeling well. You can't, you don't really have the legal standing to ask. And I don't have a code citation for me to cite right now. This has been, again, through my experience. So I'm going to take this time off. And if it's for a mental health day, that's, that's what it's for. That also being said, there have been some employers that I, I've been trying to find an employer that really values that and generally speaking it hasn't been worth worth the risk to divulge it until I've gotten to know them I've proven that I can do my job and then I can say hey this is happening I need four hours or something like that and so it's this constant it's the constant kind of coming out game that I've experienced broadly across all all sectors of society with respect to I have depression or it's the same thing it's just a kind of a different twist on the game yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I um I had I, I feel like I've had quite a few. I've I've been lucky. I'm just sad to say that this is lucky, but I'd say probably about like half of my bosses, I feel like I probably could have told them like, Hey, I think today I need to take off. I'm just like I'm not mentally here today. Mm-hmm. But man, I've had bosses. I had one boss that uh, literally threw pots and pans at me. That like, wow. is like a violation of oh, oh, many yeah. standards, I oh, would yeah. think. You could Oh yeah, I have some stories about that, but yes. yeah, I've had I've had um, bosses. Sounds like you've got are... more than three data points. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with him, absolutely. But yeah, I've so you know, there's also I I feel like there have been instances where I don't feel like I could have had the excuse of hey, I need to take a mental health day because he was the reason. <laughs> you know, <It's> you. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't feeling stressed out until you started throwing pots at me. Yeah, now I'm kind of afraid for my life kind of um, sick today of the pots yeah <laughs> i'm sick of your sh- <laughs> yeah just curious i don't know if it's 
podcast code. How to, dare you ask, ask us a, a question? question. Um, but that would be great. I'm curious what what a positive work environment means for both of you, mm-hmm. because you know that's that's the fountain of youth. That's that's the dream. That's that's kind of where we all hope to be someday. Like I said, I've I've been pretty lucky to have some really cool bosses. Like I've I've had a boss that has offered back because I I was. I was homeless for about a year and I I ended up landing this really lucrative server job. And he, I remember I got that job probably around like October of, uh, what would that be? Like 2014? Yeah, 2014. Mm-hmm. And he, in December, so only like two months later, you know, of course I'm still financially not stable. Um, he was like, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? And I was like, hanging out you know because he was going to be closed for two weeks because it's you know it's christmas yeah he was like yeah no like um you know what are you doing and he offered to pay for my trip to go up and see my family wow that's so you kind know? and so like not only did that restaurant did that place kind of like dig me out of a really dark place but like someone like that reaching out you know like yeah. even just the question of asking me how christmas was or like what are you doing for christmas i felt like it was a big thing um so you know he he seemed to genuinely care and then on top of that you know for that it doesn't obviously have to ever be like be financial but like you know for someone to offer that helping hand i think is is really big you know in a work environment i don't yeah. think it just has to be like yeah you can take a sick day you know it's like well what can i do for you to make it easier like maybe you don't have to take a sick day or mm-hmm. you, would you be good to like take an hour break like have a coffee on me or have some tea on me or you know I'll, i can go grab you something to eat you know mm-hmm. like I, I feel like little things like that could also help yeah, yeah. No, for me, I mean, I when I graduated from Chapman, I mean, I'd worked a few server jobs, and those were not a... I loved the, the opportunity there. I think I wasn't quick enough, and that was making my anxiety really stressed out about it. Uh, when, when I got out of college, I was just freelancing. I was going, working remotely, doing production jobs, like producing, directing, and creating commercials for clients that I had. So I didn't really have a work environment except for when I was with them, which would have been I, I once I got my my first official like I was with a company job temporarily. It was a beautiful thing. I was working for a company called The Mighty. I think they'll be OK with me saying that they are actually a mental health. Um, company so they were a mental health social shout media. out to the mighty yeah shout out to the mighty <laughs> wow, the mighty is an amazing company i literally did was able to tell them that i was very passionate about anxiety and i told them yeah i have anxiety they're like yeah every one of us here has something that we deal with and we are really passionate about that and we want you to feel comfortable here and happy here when i walked into the office um there were dogs like everyone had their dog with them if they had a dog um it was a really nice space there was you, you could either be in an open work environment or a closed work environment Dogs are a good plus. Oh, yeah. Also, the dogs just are throwing great. that out like, there. Just even some people having a few dogs. And when I was in like the editing cove once in a while, you had to go and sit in the editing cove as a, a video editor. Uh, the dogs would come and visit you once in a while. You're like, hi, puppy. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So I'm learning apply to places with dogs. Yeah. That's, oh, apply absolutely. To that, that, that have people okay. who have service dogs or any kind of dogs. If, if you can have a dog there, it's a good place to yeah. work. I, I worked at a company. I, I won't name it, but like it, it was a very stressful environment, but it it allowed dogs and there were always like at least maybe a dozen dogs there there were always dogs and this one dog would come into my office immediately after she got into the office run to my desk like hang out with me for like five or ten minutes 
and then I'd give her her treat and then she'd walk away and then she'd always come back and like just lay on the ground next to me. It wasn't my dog, but she seemed <laughs> to really enjoy hanging out with me. And boy, did that help. <laughs> nice. So um, honestly, you don't even need nice bosses. Just get dogs. <laughs> oh, just get dogs. Dog boss. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just one of the things you said kind of sparked something. It's it's important, I think, to distinguish between a stressful work environment and a positive work yeah. environment. Absolutely. Because, oh my God, I'm stressed out every day. Yeah. Same. But that and doesn't I've been necessarily out. mean it's not a positive place. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm stressed out over things that I care about, which yeah. which is a really positive thing for me. It's just a matter of like. Is it a healthy it. amount of stress? Is it, the stress validated? Oh, sometimes no. <laughs> sometimes it's well. Then also, there's also for me, there's also an unhealthy lack of stress. Oh. Um, which I found I don't know, you know, if the world's gonna like flip over because I said that, but be, I, personally, hmm. if I'm not stressed out over something, then I feel then I'm I'm gonna get stressed out over something meaningless. Yeah. So I'd rather. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it's interesting you say that because I do feel like. I don't necessarily know it's like not to be stressed yeah, I with don't anxiety. Think. So like I, I yeah. feel like everything is kind of already starting at like a, a somewhat a seven, like there's, there's, there's a stress know? level always. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's already stressed, but I definitely get that. I mean I don't think we wanna misconstrue that being stressed at work necessarily means that no. it's a not a positive environment. Because I, I think especially if you're passionate about something, I mean like mentality stresses me out sometimes. Oh, that yeah. doesn't mean I'm not passionate about it, but it's because I wanna do it right and it's mm-hmm. because I wanna, you know, make sure that we're doing the right things mm-hmm. and doing it fast and all of that stuff. Same so, here. you know, it, it it can stress you out, but it still doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not positive. Now, if your boss is throwing pots and pans at you, I can kind of objectively say that's if a bad work If there's a negative energy in the air, <laughs> if, there, if you are feeling like you can't do your job well and you are stressed out over things that you either can't control or people are not treating you well, I think that that's a, a different kind of environment or stigmatizing you because of having different mental afflictions. Yeah. And, Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I have so many thoughts. No, yeah, stressful but supportive. Um, yeah. I think is for me has been the best work environment that I've found. Okay. There, I mean, there's times where the support does wane because everybody's stressed out, and so I think I don't know. There's one particular time where I made some people angry, and then they all kind of recoiled because they were all stressed out because of the thing that I yeah. made them angry over, and then it was really stressful for me. But over time, like the supportive environment kicked back in, mm-hmm. so that was something but separating out stress and support and figuring out the right levels and there's so many different things there really are it it got to a point where for me when when I I went back to freelancing after working at the mighty for a while and recently after doing kind of a summer like production job I was interviewing for a company I'm not gonna say the name they're a great company no hard feelings with them um but I I think I was so used to uh, the mighty like oh I can go in and say exactly what I deal with. And in my interviews and everything, I told them how passionate I was about anxiety and how I had ADHD and how it just, this was stuff that made me a good person. And honestly, I saw as strengths because I had acknowledged them and was really working on them and it made me who I am. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling empowered by saying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And after a while, when I mean, when I didn't get the job, I kind of figured, I'm like, this is one of the reasons it's one of, I think it's one of the reasons is because I was a little too open about having like anxiety or possibly ADHD. That could have been a reason that maybe they were maybe a little turned off by that. Maybe not, but it yeah, could have it's, been. Yeah. It's really hard to separate that out. I remember, um, 
kind of a similar experience. It was the weirdest interview I've ever had, but they asked me to read a children's book and then write a review on it and then answer a series of questions. That was an interview? Interview? That a was, job interview? That was, that was part one. <laughs> at the, at the Were very you end. auditioning for like Dr. Seuss? Uh, <laughs> like sing-along? Was it a publishing kind of Yeah, I, they were testing all the skills. Wow. I had to do math after that. So, okay. I, it was weird. <laughs> but one of the things that ended up happening is I got a, in the writing portion, a kind of on that, they were asking like, what are some of the themes that you learned from this children's book and how do they apply to the workplace? And I was like, well, one of the things, and I, this is, not gonna essentially what ended up happening is in the time crunch i wrote like this is one of the things that i need to work on it was something like maintaining a positive attitude and it's because depression and like that just came really naturally to me because it comes really naturally to me and at the same time i didn't get a call back that could have been for all sorts of reasons some of which had nothing to do with my performance i later learned that they were trying out an experimental uh, interview regimen which included children's books apparently (laughs) just testing it out on me for the sake of their agency but I was kind of concerned that maybe just because I said it so matter-of-factly without context, whereas opposed to you, you provided all of the context. It's so hard to figure out, like, do you mention it as something that's, like, on the side of your life? Do you mention it as something that's integral to you? Do you, how do you bring that up in a professional space? And, like, an interview setting, even. Because if it's something that you're really passionate about, like, I've gotten hired on because of my enthusiasm in general. And it's a huge part of you, too. It's not just, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big part of, of who you are and how you work too, you yeah. know, and, and how it affects your, your work ethic and all of that stuff. And so like bringing that up in an interview is, is, uh, is difficult. I, I have not actually brought that up ever in a job interview, probably for the reasons why we're talking about it. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm a little naive I'm, when it came to that, I guess. I'm, uh, yeah. I've, I've done more job interviews than I can count. Um, I think just this last year, I've probably done like 70 or so interviews. It's absurd. Wow. You are I feel like I can boss. just, I feel like I can just like recline on their chair now and be like, all right, let's talk shop. <laughs> What's up? What's your greatest weakness? What's your yeah. greatest strength? There definitely were some where I, I kind of towed the line of talking about that stuff, but it never kind of naturally ever came out. And I, I don't know. I kind of, yeah, for the reasons why we're talking about it, I'm just kind of like, how would they take that? Because I feel like some people would be like, wow, I really like your honesty. I really like that you're open and now we know what to expect. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know, we have this kind of weird like don't ask, don't tell kind of thing in the work environment of like, yeah, he's, you know, he's super anxious and super depressed. But like, we don't want to hear about it. You know, like, I would rather just hear that he was sick. So I'm wondering if they maybe also could see it as a disability and something where they're like, well, if we hire on this person because they've said these things is that if they end up leaving or if we end up like letting them go mm-hmm. is that going to be leverage on us yeah is that going to hurt us i know i had a boss that i think my anxiety was actually a big reason of why i ended up getting fired from the job was she was already a really highly anxious person wow. and I, I didn't bring that anxiety to like at least i don't think i did i felt like i covered it up pretty well but i think It got to the point where she was feeling, because she was my boss, that if she ever added anything to my plate, she started feeling bad because she's like, oh, I know he's an anxious person. I know me adding (laughs) the stuff on top of him will just make him more anxious. And I think it started making her uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of, I mean, you could extend that to friends and family too, you know. And I I think it's trusting that if you add something on my plate, I will hopefully tell you when there's too much. Yeah. You know, until then, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting point because it's, I mean, in this conversation, it's, 
I, I, I would never want that to be, I would never want my, my mental state to be based on the amount of workload that I have. No. Because, I mean, yes, there's a correlation in terms of how much you can handle, but at the same time, being, having opportunities limited, generally speaking, because of that is, is just as bad as, it's like over-consideration can lead to con- discrimination. One of the things, I actually wanted to bring from the beginning, but I, I want to talk about your tattoo. Oh. I want to talk yeah. about oh, yeah. your tattoo. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't see it, so I wasn't reminded of it. Sure. No, it's, um, so it's wa- my watch face actually goes over that. So it's a... Is that intentional, that your watch face goes over well, it? Well, that's ha- that was the case before I got the tattoo. Oh, okay. So it's on my left wrist. It's on the inside of the wrist. And if you flip around where people normally put a watch... Um, and your palm is facing you. That's that's where that ta- the tattoo is, and it's um, I I took Japanese for several years, and so I just decided to put the the kanji character for now ima, and it's I I put it there because it's visible, um, not just to me but also to myself. It's a reminder to basically I know it's kind of cheesy, but come back to where I am, and it's really helpful to have that kind of reminder when I'm in a depression spiral. Yeah, uh, because that's the last thing that I'm thinking about. I'm I'm literally thinking about quite almost everything else and how I suck at it. So having the reminder to kind of be where you are in that moment is really useful for me. Yeah. And that's why I got it. I tested it out in Sharpie for a long time and then decided yeah, like, like I like it now. Yeah. Yeah. Now is now is the now time. The now, now what time is it? yeah. No, and that's why I put my watch that's why I think it's funny that it goes where my watch face is because I look at it and I'm like, oh, what time is it? It's now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish my tattoo had uh, that cool What's of an idea. What's your tattoo? Wait, do you not know I, I have a tattoo? I didn't know you had a tattoo. What? Really? What? How no. does that never come up? What's yeah. your tattoo? Okay, so I'm a big nerd. I'm a huge nerd for sci-fi and fantasy and all that good stuff. Anyway, uh, one of my favorite book series is the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. And in the... I mean, throughout all of the books, but the main character, I'm going to make this quick. The main character is Roland Deschain, and he's on the quest to find this thing that's called the Dark Tower. That's the center of time and space and all the universes, and it connects all of Stephen King's books. It's really cool. You should check it out. Shout out to the Dark Tower series. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, his love is her name, Susan Delgado. And my tattoo is Delgado, kind of just in in cursive. It's on my left shoulder. And what it represented to me, what it still represents to me, is that there's someone out there that I'm willing to go through time and space to find. And for, I got the tattoo, I think in 2012, something like that. I've had it for a while. And I didn't tell anybody what it was for a really long time because I really wanted to save that for somebody who... I thought that person was. Well, the world knows now. The world so. knows now. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'll get into that in just one second. Maybe that person <laughs> Hello, is world. Listening. I love you all. Um, that person could be out there listening yeah. right now. So. Yeah, yeah. But I told it to somebody. I told them the reasoning, and like a week later, they broke up with me. So uh, I was like, well, there goes that meaning. It's oh. fine. Oh. <laughs> womp womp. But, you know, maybe it's just too cheesy. It's fine. I'm okay with it. No, I, romantic. I think I think it's great. I think that also kind of gives you a, sta- a, a kind of a staple that you keep looking at that and go back to, no, there is a purpose, even with like with, whether it's love or mm-hmm. the universe, that there is still reasons to be going forward and going through this time and this stress and this crazy environment to because it's going to all be worth it to have the memories and to have this journey and to hopefully come to a point where there'll be career things that happen that I have worked for to achieve and a love that you have gained and found and had. So I, I think that that's going to happen for you, Zach. 
Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Seth. Yeah, well, Seth. Um, Seth and the the beautiful yes, the yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, going, I mean, kind of on the same, you know, <laughs> commitment I'm vibe. Just sip my tea. I wish I had the the committed tattooness. I. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't. I don't. I, I guess I feel bad now because I feel like my tattoo is a little lame because I didn't commit to a person. Uh, well, or even, no, don't. <laughs> you committed to a concept, concept, which is yeah. way better. No, not always. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll. I'll try telling that to my future wife. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no. Conceptual. <laughs> but um, so for me, I got this right when I switched over from science to policy. It was on the cusp, mm-hmm. and so for me, that was a similar kind of commitment. Is I'm going to. This is my pursuit now. I'm. Nice going to figure out a way to kind of make the world's two worlds work together the science world and the policy world and uh, haven't struck a massive blow in that yet but I, it's well, you're going work, to. i'm working on it i literally have it carved you're, into you're my now. wrist so <laughs> i know now. when we um because we, we met each other on skype briefly before mm-hmm. we did this interview and decided to come here in person but i remember seeing that tattoo and you described it and it reminded me a lot of the semicolon tattoo and kind of the idea of the yeah. semicolon tattoo yeah. and that it's um, your story keeps going, you know, and I, there's different meanings there, but I think that's, that's also a really cool idea. And I think, you know, I, I've, I've always contemplated getting that one too, that your story will always go on. So I, I really like the idea of your tattoo. I don't think you should think it's lame at all. <laughs> no, and I think it's perfect for kind of our topic too, is, is you're kind right. of, whether, whether you're working or anything, you can look at that and really yeah. kind of find a center place to come back to at least mm-hmm. kind of having that ritual or having that frame of reference. Speaking of, of rituals, I mean, in the workplace. Yes. Yes. Uh, having having something that, no, I guess a, a lot of the, what we've talked about so far has kind of been like knowing yourself and knowing what sets you off. And that's like, a, that's a common theme that I've come across in all conversations of mental health is like, how can you, you can be your best own, your own best advocate. It's tough, but knowing how to do that is a tremendous power. Yeah. And having rituals at work predicting stresses such as going yeah. to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> to not go to the bathroom uh are are really healthy ways to compensate mm-hmm. i found i don't really have any specific rituals mine is just to maintain constant movement throughout the day because yes. if i don't if i sit down then i kind of slump and become you know, lethargic and and yeah. sunlight's a big thing for me too i work in an i work in the center of an office building now and mm-hmm. i have to escape yeah um so just for everyone's benefit i kind of same thing i walking around you know i've i -hmm. I take a walk around the block fortunately it's not that hot in la anymore Uh, before i remember doing it when it was like 105 outside and i was like this isn't helping (laughs) this is this is making it worse yeah on on that note one of the other things since we're just generating a list right now and i think that's (laughs) awesome i found that talking to whatever is stressing me out about my work with somebody else it doesn't necessarily have to be like, hey, I'm really anxious about X. It's like, hey, I'm having a problem with X. Can you help me sort it out? And so we, in a like, for the the benefit of our professional setting. Mm-hmm. Like, because it feels like you're dealing with it. Yeah. Even if you can't fix it in that moment. Because if you keep it inside your head, your head's a tight space. Your head can get pretty full pretty mm-hmm. easily. I... I, yeah, I have to talk to someone. Like, I will call my best for Like, if I'm not working at a company, like, right now I'm working remotely for, for a company. So I will call one of my friends and ask them, okay, like, this is what's what's going on. I just need to vent it to someone. Or I will write, like, write, write like, a little article about it. Or I will go into dance mode and be like, okay, 
it's time to take a break. We've got this this next cut to do. Headphones in. Let's see what yellow, yellow. <laughs> it's time to hold on tight to my dreams. <laughs> that's actually been an interesting thing is I've been doing editing a lot recently, and that's been kind of a nice. Just for us laymen out there, is that what yellow is? Uh, oh no, yellow is one of my favorite bands, Electric Light Orchestra. Okay. So. I didn't know what that was either. <laughs> so we both yeah, kind of I'm, nodded and were yeah, like, yeah. Just asking it's for an the world. old. It's a Not, band of the know. '70s, a symphonic rock band. No one seems to know who they are anymore. <laughs> But they're good. Look them up. All right. They're on the list of de-stressers now. Yes, yeah. they definitely yeah. are a de-stressor. Yeah, just putting in the headphones and like concentrating on yeah. some work um, has helped. I don't know. I, I think, I don't think I've ever sat down and talked to an employer or talked huh. to even really a coworker. Uh, mostly because I feel like the coworkers that I've had that I talked to were already friends beforehand. Although I do remember actually... That's not entirely true. I did have, about a year ago, the same office that had all of those dogs in it. I was very, very stressed, probably the most stressed outside of getting pots thrown at me at that place. And I, I do remember that I started like a carpool because I had a car and there are a few people who didn't have cars and I'd drive somebody home daily so that they didn't have to like take an Uber or walk or anything like that. And those were amazing venting sessions. Yeah. Those were, those are great. You know, it'd just be kind of like, all right, tell me about your day today. And we would just vent to each other. You know, sometimes it would be one person, sometimes it would be the other. And, you know, sometimes they would take like three hours, but it was, it was nice to, to vent to a coworker because they also understand exactly the environment that you're in. But I don't think I've ever actually talked to a, uh, like a supervisor or someone above me mm. about mental health. Have you during? Oh, let's see. Uh, most of my freelance jobs I have produced and directed remotely or been with them on, on set days. And they've all known my passion for mental health. I don't think I've ever talked to them about an issue that was going on with the project necessarily. Yeah, I at the Mighty, uh, we would just, we would have group meetings where we would talk about what was going on in the projects, not really venting sessions exactly. Mm -hmm. no. one, of the, one of the selfish things that is nice about being a mental health advocate is that people know you as a mental health advocate. <laughs> and they'll be like, hey, I've had some mental health, or my brother has, or my wife is experiencing, or my dog looks sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I still can't tell if it has personally benefited or not benefited my yeah. life that yeah. people know all of this one, stuff about me. One aspect, <laughs> one aspect of it is people are more willing to have, with me personally, uh, open conversations. And Absolutely. so I'm not, yeah. so when they, when either they know you're an advocate and they, you say like, yeah, I've been having a shitty day for this reason, or, uh, they approach you, it just leads to more conversations. And that's not for everyone. Cause no. there's a lot of other things mm -hmm. that come with being an advocate that you might not want to do. It's, it's a toss up. Yeah. But I think in the end, like for me, I like the conversations. I'm a conversationalist. Yeah. I, yeah. I really enjoy. She says into a microphone. Yes, I'm a conversationalist. <laughs> I like to, to talk to people and hear their stories and and really and hear what they're going through. And I like to share what I'm going through. And if we relate, woo, it's yeah. fun. And yeah, there's there's definitely stigmas and negative things that come with being an advocate. But mm -hmm. I'd rather be open. It's been really nice. The same thing is I've had a lot of people reach out to me a lot more, knowing that you know I'm, I'm willing to talk about these things and not you know, share them and, and talk to anybody about it yeah. and things like that, that I'm, I'm a trustworthy person with that kind of information and, you know, that I'm willing to listen, but also talk about it if they want to talk about it. Um, and I've also had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, hey, I didn't know that this was something that 
uh, affected you? Like, did I ever do this? Like, I want to make sure that I don't do it again or anything like that, which is also really nice. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's just a personal benefit. It's not the, the real reason I did it, but <laughs> it definitely nice helps. Feel, yeah, it's definitely nice. And have people feel like they, if they care to reach out and ask. Yeah, yeah I'm down with that. Absolutely. <laughs> So since I've, I'm a newfound uh, policy wonk, I wanted to bring in some policy into this. Yes. Sure. Oh, and yes. one of the things I'm excited about personally is a recently passed bill um, in, from the legislature. Um, S, it's SB. It's, it's, it should be from the Senate. Mm-hmm. The number is uh, 1113. 1113. And, and I, I think it's the, so in a nutshell, in a very tiny, small, small nutshell, it's essentially asking a commission that's responsible for uh, overseeing mental health funds and how they're spent. Um, it's asking them to, and I'm just going to read the whole thing. Go right ahead. Um, establish a framework and voluntary standard for mental health in the workplace that serves to reduce mental health stigma, increase public employee and employer awareness of the recovery goals of the Mental Health Services Act, and provide guidance to California's employer community to put in place strategies and programs as determined by the commission, that's the commission that oversees mental health, to support the mental health and wellness of employees. I think I'm yeah. really excited to see how that'll play out. Um, it'll take a few years. <laughs> because <laughs> how, do you, how do you think that's going to play out over a few years? Well, that's just, that's kind of the time frame of the state. Nothing happens quickly. And one of the, so mixed feelings about this. One, it's a bill with a lot of ambiguity. Um, and it's asking for, it's kind of setting guidelines, which are not, you know, they are voluntary. I think actually that's really, however, I think setting them as involuntary standards would just lead to a rigidity that doesn't necessarily come with an employer actually benefiting employees with respect to like mental health considerations. Yeah. If it was an involuntary thing, you know, you, you have to get certain people in the workforce and has to be kind of molded and stuff and modified, you know, right. for each employer first before you start being like, okay, this is like this is set in stone kind of thing, you know? Um, otherwise, yeah, it could, it could be detrimental to, uh, you know, if it was involuntary. Yeah. yeah. But I just wanted to bring that up because I mean, who knows what's going to come from it? Yeah. Um, and who knows how long that'll take, but it's nice to, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not like pro California and this bill is representative of the work of tons of, I'm not, I'm not con California. <laughs> I'm neutral California for the state, for uh, the purposes yes, that of good old neutral California, California. <laughs> for the purpose yeah. of this conversation. Um, I'm not trying to say California is a better state than any, but I'm particularly excited that yes, it is. <laughs> Can you tell I, I like work it in just policy? I'm, really, I'm, just, I'm like, yeah. I have no opinions about this whatsoever. <laughs> All of my Texas Neutral. friends are going to hate me for saying that. That's fine. All of my friends who listen to this are from Texas. So. I like living here. That's, I'm, that's as far as I'm going to go as opinions. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm excited to see how a really large and influential state can carry out guidelines such as these, not carry yeah. them out because they're voluntary, but can can push the adoption Can implement up. them into yeah, the workplace. And, and what it's actually going to look like because I'm I'm currently in a, in a Master's of Public Administration program at mm. USC down the street. It's a satellite campus. Cool. And we talk a lot about how managers should manage. We don't talk about how mid-level employees should should be in the mid-level employees, which is what we all are. So that doesn't help. But managers managing, one of the most important things I've walked away with from that class is the need to build in emotional releases mm-hmm. into whatever work environment you have. And I think as far as building in emotional releases, this kind of legislation kind of opens up the door for that. And I think Definitely. That's, a, that's important. I mean, emotional releases, anything from like having a potluck to, you know, happy hour. Dirt. Dogs. dogs 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 dog therapy day is a thing you guys <laughs> yeah. it remember, really after, is. remember 
active minds. Yeah. Pause for pause. Or was it, it was it was furry friends for finals furry or FFFF. For uh, or f- uh, <laughs> for short. Yeah. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, dogs. Dogs are great. That's it. Just dogs. Yeah. <laughs> really, I mean, if I'm walking away from this this episode with anything, it's that we just need dog more dogs. <laughs> we, we just need Everyone. dog therapy. That that yeah. that'll be that'll be helpful. <laughs> yeah. And for you, I think mean, you asked us kind of what we would like a mental health environment to be in in the workplace. What what for you, especially since you know these bills and you know what's going on within kind of mental health reform, what would you like to see happen? So. There's a there's a bit of a quote that I, I tend to use that that to guide my own work ethic. Um, and for those Ender's Games fans out there, you you um, <laughs> such as such as Zach, uh, <laughs> you wow, that was lame. I, I can't believe I just you y- <laughs> anyway. Um, no, it was great. It was so in the Ender's Game series, the book after Ender's Game, there's something called the Speaker for the Dead. Just trying to you know cite my sources and. The con the context is kind of irrelevant, but these scientists are trying to create a cure for something, and they're working themselves incredibly hard to the point where Ender, who's in this book too, essentially says, "Don't work yourself so hard that you diminish your capacity to work as hard as you can." I would love for a work environment to essentially be like that. I would love to see some place that pushes you. I would love to see some place that supports your ability to do the work, provides. Mm-hmm you know, within all the resources it can to help you shine as an employee. And at the same time is by pushing you is helping you grow as a person. Yeah. Um, but understanding that the more it pushes you, the more rest and recuperation you're probably going to take. I, I mean, I, I feel like that's just a, a cultural shift us as Americans in general kind of have to get through because I mean, especially in LA and New York, I talk about this with people all the time, you know, in other cities too, but those are the two that I'm most familiar with, with Mm -hmm. me and my friends. We, we idolize workaholics. We idolize people who, you know, don't sleep at all and work and work and work and work and push everything to the side for work. It's glamorized. It is glamorized, you know, and, and to a certain extent, it's, it, you know, it works, you know, you only have 24 hours in the day. But as you said, I mean, eventually you get to the point where there's diminishing returns, you know, I mean, maybe some people can pull that off where they only sleep for two or three hours a day, but the vast majority of the human population can't. And I think we need to, as a society, stop kind of idolizing, you know, workaholism. You're and... eventually just going to hit so many times of burnout that yeah. it it's going to hurt your heart. It's going to hurt your mental health. It's mm-hmm. going to hurt a lot. I mean, it. I, I completely understand, like, work pushing yourself to achieve even more and to work even harder. And sometimes you are going to have to work, like, pull that all-nighter or push harder to get this one project done. But you got to find your limits because you can't sprint the entire race. You have to find a way to, to jog a little bit, to take a breather, to drink some water. Yeah, you don't you don't sprint a marathon, no. you know, and your, your life is a marathon. So you want to make sure that you're not sprinting it, you know, because mm-hmm. eventually you're going to get to the point where you just stop halfway and you, you can't keep going, you know. And uh, but if you keep a marathoner's pace, you could actually, you can make it to the end. And I think that's kind of, it's finding that balance um, and having a work environment that helps you and allows you to find that balance, yeah. you know, because a, a work environment that makes you work 24-7, I, I don't necessarily think is super healthy, no. you know, because people shouldn't be working 24-7. Yeah. I guess, you know, there's obviously, not tangents, but like, you know, th- things that 
you know, like maybe if it's an email here and there or whatever, I guess it's fine. But it's like, you know, I, I think there's there's a certain serenity that you get from knowing that, okay, I just clocked out and I'm done. That's something that I really miss from my like server days yeah. and things like that. I miss now that it feels from like working never... in an actual go-to-work place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like working remote. Well, I like working remotely, but I, I like the purpose of going to work yeah to work i'm exactly i love carrying my problems home with me so <laughs> yeah wait did you so, say you like doing it yeah i, okay. I love it because then well because then i can i have a different kind of pace to iron mm-hmm. things out because mm-hmm. if i'm always go 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 and i have a problem that's just sit think and and, and stare off into a corner that just really needs to be ironed out mm-hmm. then i can do that kind of at home and yeah. if i enjoy what i'm working on which is again like i said really crucial for me then i can do that at that different pace but at work even and to flip what y'all have been saying and kind of tip the balance when you're not working hard or you have a lull in work, oftentimes what I experience is a guilt that comes with, with, with not doing it. Not doing enough. Like I, I was literally last Friday, I had an hour where I completed everything, but I still had to stay at work. And Mm -hmm. I, of course I can read things that I should be reading, but I was burnt out. And so I ended up quickly watching a cat licking uh, it was it's water up from a sink and it was cute and, <laughs> and i was like it got a little reju- yeah and i took i took so pure it was a seven minutes of things like that and yeah. it was rejuvenating and it was great and i tried really hard not to feel guilty about it that's and something i yeah yeah sorry i interrupted no that, i'm sorry <laughs> that's something i i really really struggle with is is you know kind of what your tattoo says is is being in the now being in the present and not feeling guilty if i'm not doing anything you know my because my my instinct is to constantly be doing things, and I, I always want to be doing things. And where this hit me really hard was um, I was an Uber driver for about a year, a couple years ago. And that really incentivizes if you're not working, you could be, you know. And so because you can always drive, basically, unless yeah. you're passing out. Like, you can always do it, and you can always be making money. And so I really started to get into that habit of just working all the time. And I was pulling like 13, 14 hour days of just driving. And then when I come home and I watch Netflix, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, if I'm going to watch Netflix, I could be driving, you know, and I could be making money. (laughs) Well, not while I'm... (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I'm a good driver, so I'm kidding. Um, Netflix and drive. Yeah, Netflix and drive. Um, that should be their new slogan. No, it really shouldn't be. But, you know, so it's, it it really incentivized working all the time. And I think there's a lot of jobs that give that kind of impression, you know, where, um, I got this a lot as an executive assistant of just like getting emails. And I remember getting emails when she was in London or something like that at three in the morning. And I felt like I had to answer them. And it's like, I'm def one, I'm definitely not getting paid for this. You know, and two, like, you have to feel like you can relax and, like, you know, there's a reason why people pay you money when you're on call because you're still working, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you can't go and, like, get drunk or you can't go and, like, travel to another country or you can't turn off your phone. And I think there's some kind of – I think there's there's something really um, rejuvenating about knowing that you can do that, even if you don't, is knowing you could completely unplug right now mm-hmm. and be fine, Um, And I think a work environment that encourages that and is like, all right, you know, like if your boss, let's say you're an assistant, if your boss is like, hey, I don't think I, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to email you tonight. So just like 
turn off your phone or something and like go do your thing. I think that'd be really nice. And I think the recognition of little things like that, I think would be very helpful because then you don't have to, you're not constantly checking your phone for like emails or texts or anything like that. Uh, I think what I want to know is how, how can we make a work environment better? And also how do we, do we want to keep with how environments are now where it's maybe not as important or necessary to tell employers about like our, like if, if you have anxiety or, or depression, or do we do we talk about that later on? Do you talk about that at all? Do we still kind of have that don't ask, don't tell about mental health days? What what do we do about that? Yeah, I don't want to recommend one specific way for a multitude of situations. Yeah. You totally work in politics. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was kind of like this before I started. Oh, okay. So then I just found out like, oh, other people talk like this? That's oh, amazing. That's interesting. Wow, I'm uh, amongst my people. No, I'm always... I, I actually blame that more on the science part of me. Is like, you know, we don't know if this is right. Yeah. But we think it's right in this way. Anyways, the qualifying statements aside, I would strongly recommend getting a feel for the office first. Yeah. I don't know if, if coming out guns blazing with respect to your identity is always a good idea. I, I don't think it is. I wish it was I wish it were, was would so. Be nice, but... It would be great. It would be so nice to live would, in a full age. Which makes something. you wonder like what it would be like if it was okay to what, do that. What though. would it like, be like? Kind of yeah. Would that be would good that be or like? would that be bad? Because I, I don't know. Because that, that was an interesting thing that I was thinking about when we were sitting here is like, okay, what if it was socially acceptable to like go into... I mean, I guess it's not socially unacceptable. What if it was like not detrimental, you know, <laughs> potentially detrimental to your job opportunity to just be like, by the way, I, you know, I struggle with depression. I struggle with high anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And that had no bearing on their decision, which I do feel like will kind of always naturally be a thing because yeah. it's like you're kind of always going to if, you know, if you're an employer, if someone says that they struggle with those things and they have somebody else who's like, no, nah, I'm good, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like I'm, I'm totally fine. I'll work 24 hours a day. I feel like the employer would kind of naturally go to that person yeah. anyway. Yeah. But just business wise, um, you know, if, if that had no bearing on it, I still feel like that'd be an interesting kind of society to live in because then it's I, I would be afraid of kind of going into that same area where I was with my boss of her being like, I know you struggle with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I can put on your plate. And I'm yeah, like, just yeah. keep, that. yeah, I like I don't to... want people to feel that way either. You don't you want know? pity. You don't want them to feel like they've right. got to step on your toes. Yeah. So you have to be kind of an educator as you're yeah. being mm-hmm. self-advocate. Exactly. Yeah. It's self-advocation. It, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've thought mm-hmm. about just not being an advocate in general. And then I was like, it's kind of, it's the. It seems it's like kind the, of a part of you. Yeah, knowing knowing who you are and how you best work in environments, I think is again a really powerful thing. And yeah, I was thinking, um, what are some of the identities that Af- if we were in an, a sharing society where somebody just burst burst in the door and was like, I have depression. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is my house. Why are you in here? <laughs> Who let you in? Okay, Kool Aid Man. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just cries tears of Kool-Aid. Anyway, shout out to 90s kids who get that reference. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if somebody, if I was a manager and somebody came up to me like, yeah, I have homicidal tendencies, like homicidal urges, that would be an identity that would make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. I, yeah. And if, and it, but, but at the same time, as long as their urges... If, if that person has that under, con- under control, that's not necessarily, that's not something that prevents them from doing the work. Right. And, and I feel like I'm not equating mental health 
status with homicidal urges. No. Like that's that's not Very an equivocal different. comparison. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes people react in ways when mental health issues are disclosed, when people's, you know, sexuality is exposed. It kind of receives a similar level of or similar kind of stigma as something that's something I mean, I I vehemently think is wrong, which is yeah. acting on homicidal urges. Yeah. And but but the thing is the difference between the act and the urge. And the thing is the difference between knowing your needs and, and and taking care of yourself so that your needs don't become subversive to your to your well-being to your to the people whose well-being is around you i i feel like people don't really make that separation yeah. and I, I i mean i feel like that separation is a little hard too because it's you know they're not they're not in your brain you yeah know? so I, I feel like no. again that kind of comes down to you personally reading the room and i i don't know i like, I never want to ever say, like, don't say, don't tell people things, but I also yeah. feel like be aware of, you know, the people that you tell and how you tell it yeah. because, you know, there are definitely going to be certain things that people are certainly turned off about, you know. Yeah. So one um, of... Especially in a work environment. <laughs> and again, going, I, I think phrasing things in terms of work performance is always the best way yeah. to do it. If yeah. you're on the fence and, and don't necessarily know, saying something to be effective... So, for example, uh, a swim buddy of mine back in high school, he walked up to our coach that day and just said, look, I'm not, I'm not in it. I'm not going to be doing, I'm not going to do a good job today. And the coach was fine with it. And I've, I think generally framing things, and it was because of just his, his mental state, but framing the conversation in that way saying, hey, look, this happened. I'm going to need some time or this is going to affect my work performance in X ways not necessarily specifying what the it is, yeah. but just saying I'm really out of it or just kind of more colloquial things in terms of a useful and usable strategy. Making it about the work is the best way I've found to Agreed. get time off work to recover. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely done that a few times. Been like, hey, um, like maybe not asking time off of work, but just being like, hey, just to let you know, like feeling a little off today and so just just heads up like if mm-hmm. i if i seem distant or if i seem anxious or anything like that just you know i'm good just heads up <laughs> and if you have the luxury of doing a, a variety of different tasks save some tasks for when you're really out of it yeah. um like there's just like filling in spreadsheets for me it's like i have to do it sometimes and so mm-hmm. oftentimes i put it when i'm really either just kind of you know i'm my my brain is kind of shut off in terms of like intellectual capacity or if i'm just really buzzing with anxiety or depression that day they kind of work hand in hand with me and i can kind of get through the day because i have a, a relatively easy yeah. task i think that that's something i was trying to show in my interview was it, my anxiety i've been turning it into a, a strength my adhd i've turned it into a strength my adhd makes me very creative that i can switch my brain from one thing to another within a second if i want to which is exciting for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I can be working on this. And then if you need me to be working on something else, I can make that switch very quickly. Mm-hmm. My anxiety, it makes me basically detail-oriented to the point where I'm like, I have to do this right. I'm going to do this very well. And I'm going to rewatch, rewatch, make sure everything looks right and is to where is a standard of mine. I'm like, my anxiety makes me on point. You like, should have seen the <laughs> us preparing for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm like, mental health isn't just a weakness, guys. It's a strength. Show your strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Amen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. seriously. That's awesome. I think this has been a really great episode to educate. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm happy. Thanks for thanks for inviting me into this conversation. Yes, thank and, you, Seth. Yeah, and coming all the way out here. And, uh, yes, thank you for giving us a, yeah, a tour of the Capitol. The fir- and first podcast to ever be done in my room. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Well, yes, thank you so much. I appreciate not only. Uh, letting us interview you, but letting us interview you in your bedroom. Yes. Um, this is and and letting us fly up here and and uh, show us around the capital and yeah. all of that. Really got to know more about not only the state um, and how it's run, but also kind of a lot more about your day to day life yeah. and how that works out. And I had a lot of fun. So yeah, I wanted to say before we log off here, the tea that we were drinking today is daydreaming. Uh, you can go to teaspectral.com to grab that one and many others. Yeah, there are amazing ones. One. There are other ones like Phoenix, which is the official mentality tea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Sweater Weather, which is a brand new one. There's many, many others. Look Forest. up those tea. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure there's one for you. If you enter the promo code men- uh, mental, you can get 10% off. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to... Uh, uh, say thank you, yeah, Seth, thank you, Seth. For is there us. any like any like bills coming up? Like pr- the primaries are, are coming up. I think we're airing this on the sixth, so woo. Um, that you want to talk about, or anything that you're doing that you want to be promoting, or that your like the the place you work for is doing that you would like to educate us about, or tell the audience to look up. Yeah, there totally is. So there's something that I I, I don't want to. I never would recommend anybody to anybody how to <laughs> vote. So the bill is Proposition Two. Propositions are. Um, put out to the voters so that essentially what it does is it creates a constitutional amendment. And in this case, it makes a constitutional amendment to a previous constitutional amendment, which was called the Mental Health Services Act, or mm-hmm. Prop 63. Yeah. Um, what Prop 2 does to Prop 63 legislation is essentially allows that money to be spent on housing for the mentally ill, which is currently just a legislative caveat that doesn't it's a le- for legislative reasons that money has not been able to be allocated that way before. Yeah. And it's it just needs voter approval to be able to change just because of the way that legislation works of that respect in that respect so i've always been a little hesitant the way whether to vote yes or no on props for the sole reason that back in 2008 there was proposition eight that it was like voting no on it meant that you were for gay marriage and voting yes for it meant that you're against gay marriage because of the way that they because of the way that they worded it which i think had a huge impact on how people voted so is voting yes on this prop saying yes i want there to be monies allocated to mental health is that how the yes works in that one yes (laughs) okay yes not Not saying that's how you should vote whatever you want to do but i just want to make sure it's clear research the bill and really see what it is yourself but that is what that and a a yes is for the amendment to allow monies to be spent that way i know is i don't want the amendment so that monies can continue to not be spent that way all right cool yeah so i'm always very very much reading into exactly how the yes and no's go (laughs) yeah well if you ever if you ever host a like a policy political podcast we can talk we can talk for days on (laughs) propositions and how they work yeah (laughs) yeah thank you so much seth this has been quite the adventure we're very happy to have had it and yeah yeah are you on social media or anything like that no i i, I try not to be no you're one <laughs> you are a wonderful human being and i wish i could be you yeah. i don't like social media much, I, know. I, but... I deleted my social media for about 
eight hours today. And then I realized, oh, right, I have to do mentality stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm one of the My social few, media yeah. that I still use is Instagram, which is Camouflage, C-A-M-A-R-A-F-L-A-G-E. Yes, that, that is where you can find me publicly. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at EPSEC. E-P-S-E-C-H. And you can also email us. Yes. Email us at mentalitytalk at gmail.com. We definitely don't want this to just be a podcast. We want this to be a discussion. We'd love mm-hmm. to hear from you, especially regarding this topic. Any uh, stories that you have from in the workplace. Uh, workplace, any tips, hits that you have, Topics. anything that works for you, anything <laughs> that doesn't work for you. We'd love to hear it. We'd love yeah. to discuss it. And I actually, I do have a plug. It's not necessarily yes. for me, but there is a, uh, a soon to be nonprofit called NextGov, N-X-T-G-O-V.org. Mm-hmm. If you want to check us out, I'm running in an election to become the re- director of recruitment. Yeah. I'm currently right. unopposed, so it's likely that I'll get the position. Um, Go vote for him. And if you are interested... Moving up to Sacramento. <laughs> if you are interested... I'm not saying vote for me, because it's it'll it's fine. Uh, um, but if you are interested in entering into public policy and navigating the whole world with hiring and and the mental health aspects of, of understanding what it means to work for the state, I would strongly recommend reaching out to NextGov. Um, nextgov.org um, without the E. I will be the one on the other end of that. I currently don't have an email, but it'll I'll, I'll be able to help you out if you're interested in entering this space. Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you, Seth. That's awesome. Alright, so I think we're, we're pretty much done. Thank you for um, joining us, for spilling some tea with us, and yeah, I'm we're really excited to be able to turn on the air conditioning. Uh-huh.